All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. I have Jim Gilkey joining us today, and we're going to be talking about um, learning, learning programs. Jim Gilkey, PhD, is the author of Impact Learning, The New Competitive Advantage, What All Executives Need to Know. He is the uh, president of S4 NetQuest and a nationally recognized expert in instructional design and learning strategies with an extensive experience in leading the design, development, and implementation of innovative, highly effective learning solutions. And I think that this is an area where, to me, it's so important, right? Anyway, Jim Gilkey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today, Bert. I appreciate it. You bet, you bet. So uh, I want to jump into this real quick and and um, and kind of maybe how did you get here? How did you, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to the point where you're designing learning solutions. Talk about that. Yeah, thanks for that, Bert. It's kind of a, a zigzag journey. Uh, I actually, my undergrad degree at Ohio State was in aviation. So I came out of Ohio State with a commercial pilot's license and did some training at United Airlines on the 767, um, which was a blast. But I determined that is not what I wanted to do for a living. So what I ended up doing was coming back, getting my PhD in instructional design and technology at Ohio State, and ended up becoming the assistant director of flight education there. So I ran the flight school as well as the four-year curriculum on campus. Did that for many years, loved that job, loved teaching, loved flying, had always wanted to create my own business. So in 1998, uh, myself, along with two other partners, founded S4 NetQuest. And, and so what does S4 Network, NetQuest do? S4 NetQuest, we're one of the global leaders in learning services. Um, used to be called training and development but that has some more traditional connotations. So Bert, it is anything from self-paced micro mods to virtual classroom, performance support tools. Um, and of course we have an advisory uh, set of services as well, competency modeling, gap analysis, all the end-to-end -end services you would need from a good uh, learning services firm. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what, and, and I, I imagine that uh, the online portion is either has exploded or will be exploding because more and more, uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny. One of the, I guess, side benefit benefits of this quarantine COVID stuff is that, you know, for years we've talked, uh, when I say we, we as a society, uh, leaders in general have been talking about online learning. And for the most part, it's, 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 Definitely a fast-growing environment. Uh, one of the fastest-growing industries is this online learning, but I think with COVID, it just made it explode. It went from, you know, I want to say, I don't know, uh, 30% uh, penetration to like an 80% penetration. It just overnight, everybody was working from home, learning from home. So this is, uh, you know, kind of right up your alley. Yeah, I'll tell you, you hit that one on the head. And what's funny about that, and hope you know, we'll talk a little bit about impact learning methodology. One of the issues companies are facing is exactly what you said, Bert. They need to take their classroom training and make it 
virtual. The problem is that they're doing what we call a conversion. What I mean by that is I was a facilitator in a classroom. And so I had PowerPoint slides. So right. what do I do? I schedule a webinar through WebEx or one of these types of uh, software packages. I put my slides up. Yeah. And they see a video of me lecturing. Very, very ineffective. Millennials hate it. So what companies really need to consider is not converting, but transforming. And what I mean by transforming is creating a learning solution that maximizes that virtual distribution model. And that's a lot different than lecturing to slides. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, the whole lecturing with slides is, uh, you know, I think it's been proven. It's, it's one of the least effective ways of doing it because so many people just really, they click and they read the slides and it's just, it's not engaging. And, you know, I have, uh, I have worked with, uh, with, some kids that, that have uh, supposedly ADD and ADHD. And let me tell you, when they're, you know, when they're engaged, they're as focused as anybody else. Now, they might be a little bit harder to engage, but, you know, I, I got involved with that because my, my oldest son was, was diagnosed with ADD, kind of like his dad was. But when it came to, uh, you know, he would get involved like in mystery or mystery games, uh, mystery stories, and he would literally sit down and read for hours. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't that he couldn't sit down, is that I think a lot of teachers, you know, they're just not engaged. They're not, they're not necessarily paid to be good teachers. They're there to dis disseminate whatever their curriculum is and hopefully, you know, I don't know, some of the students will learn, but we know that that model is also not as effective as it could be, right? Again, that is a great point. And the millennials have really driven a change in the way that learning is done nowadays. This lecture format of standing in front of a class and I'm the keeper of the knowledge. I'm going to tell you what this knowledge is. You're going to write that down and spit it back on a test. Very, very, very ineffective. Right. And what impact learning does as an example, the result of that is application of knowledge, meaning you're actually applying it. You're going to go on to your job and apply it. And by applying it, you're going to help your company obtain a competitive advantage because of what you can do and because of what you know. And the millennials that you talked about, they're driving that. And it's funny because, you know, we do speaking engagements around the country. And people will say, yeah, but you know, the millennials, very short attention span. Really? <laughs> Have you ever seen one of them sit in front of Fortnite or Facebook? I mean, they could sit there for a long time, probably longer than me. I'm a baby boomer. Right. He is what you said. It must be engaging, right? They're not just going to sit there and listen. They want to do right. something with it. They want it. to do something. Yeah. They want to do something with it. And what's really critical is they must know at the outset, this is called law of readiness. They must know that it's going to benefit them in some shape or form. They're not just going to sit through stuff because somebody told them to do so. You know, it's interesting that you say that the law of readiness right there, everybody, let's write that one down. The law of readiness to me, that is so 
uh, impactful because one of the biggest struggles I had in my high school career was algebra because a negative times a negative is a positive. And of course, you ask the teacher, give me an example of that, and they can never show you how that is going to be used in the real world. And, you know, and so literally just kind of a, put a blind spot in front of me, just my brain locked up and I struggled through algebra because they have all these rules and logic sequences, but yet none of the teachers can tell you how that is going to work in the real world. And, 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 and this idea of this, this law of readiness to me, man, that, that hits me like a, like a friggin' uh, uh, what do you call it uh, train because that's the whole point of learning something is for at least for me anyway is I'm going to sit here and I'm going to sit you know uh, learn something or at least invest my time to hopefully learn something but I want to be able to apply it immediately not theoretically four or five years down the road I mean the law of readiness I love that idea of the law of readiness yeah I'll give you you gave a really good example of algebra and I'm sure, Bert, that a lot of people can relate to what you're saying. I'll give you another great example in the corporate world. Okay. Uh, you're training uh, sales associates, let's say. And you're in front of this group. And what are they doing? They're looking at their phones. They're wondering when the first break is so that they can make contact, make sure the relationships are there. How's the latest deal going? Well, if you at the beginning of that say, hey, by the way, at the end of this training, you're going to be able to sell 30% more than you could sell right now. Okay. Suddenly they're not looking at their phones anymore. Suddenly they're looking at you. Uh, did you say 30% more? Yes. Okay. You have my attention. Now the critical part there, as you can assume, Bert, is can you actually do that with the right. training? But yeah, it's a great example of law of readiness. If I don't see value in it, even if it's designed really well, if the value is not there for me, it's not going to matter because I'm not yeah, engaged. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, and I think most people definitely get on board with the law of readiness. And it brings me to this question. How is it that so many, you know, experts, subject matter experts are so bad, for lack of better terms, at designing learning programs and online courses? Talk about this. Great question. And it's it's really part of the impact learning methodology in the book. What you have found, I'm assuming in, in your career, it's certainly been in mine, even through aviation. What happens is, uh, again, let's use sales. I was, I came on as a sales associate. I got better. They made me manager of the sales group. And then because of my expertise, they made me the head trainer of sales. The problem with that is, although I bring a breadth of subject matter expertise and years of experience to that, which by the way is absolutely critical, what you do not know or what most subject matter experts do not know is how people learn. What are the laws of learning? What's the psychology behind it? So what do they do? They stand in front of a class. Everything they say is on the PowerPoint behind them. And then they ask somebody to take a test at the end of it. Again, because they don't understand these instructional design principles. And I'll tell you where it really, really becomes problematic is when you ask that same subject matter expert, hey, all the stuff you've been doing in the class, we now want you to put that online. We want you to virtualize that. 
And that's, as we started out the conversation, Bert, that's when, well, okay, I'll take my PowerPoint slides, I'll put them in a WebEx, and I'll have a window where you can see me. And it just gets progressively worse as you get into this virtual area. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And it's so funny, too, because uh, there are some, you know, there are some teachers, speakers, whatever you want to call it, that are funny and they are engaging and, and they and they ask questions and, and they have little jokes and, and you know, they, they might even uh, throw a little joke inside their, their, what do you call it, their PowerPoint slide. And then there are some teachers who are very monotone and very technical and they sound like a technical book, right? It's, you know, put A, you know, put B into slot A at this angle. And it, it's, it's just, unless you have the exact same personality, uh, that's not going to work. And we know that everybody uh, you know, that there's at least four, maybe more different types of personalities and, and, a, and definitely a, a, a slew of learning um, methods, right? We all learn differently. Some of us can sit down and just take notes. Some of us have to be more physical. Uh, you know, uh, I remember uh, uh, when I was, uh, a, you know, uh, training to be a speaker and a teacher, the, 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 the uh, rule of thumb was that the mind can only take what the butt can endure. And, <laughs> and that was kind of a reminder to get your, you know, get your people up. They got to stretch. They got to re-engage their bodies because, you know, we, you sit there for a while and then you tend to slump more and you slump more. And the more you slump, less energy you have. And, you know, you become kind of uh, not, not necessarily mentally depressed, but you become physically depressed and you got to wake people back up and, and, um, you know, now in, in a lot of the speaking in, uh, arenas, you'll see people get up and down, up and down because it helps them stay a little bit more focused. So uh, that to, so to me, that's very um, what do you call it? To me, that makes sense that you have a guy who, again, might be a subject matter expert, but isn't a learning matter expert. Right. Or a teaching expert. And it's vastly different. Vastly different. And even the example you gave, Bert, which is a good one, some lecturers are very entertaining. They tell good stories. Uh, they may ask some questions. So even from that standpoint, they're still facilitating. They're still lecturing. More effective than somebody that's very dry. But when you look at things like impact learning, the impetus shouldn't be on the facilitator. The impetus should be on the learner. So as an example, rather than me lecturing about a topic, give the class a problem to solve. You can work them in groups if you want. Give them some information to solve it, then facilitate that. Millennials love it. It's very engaging, actually activates a different part of the brain when you're doing problem solving. So one of the foundations to impact learning is problem-based. When you mix that with collaboration, it is a very, very powerful approach and not only is it more engaging, it's also much more effective. And what I mean by that, it's not simple rote memorization of facts that you're going to spit back on a test. It's actually the two highest levels of learning, application and correlation, meaning I can apply it because you taught me how to apply it because I used it to solve problems. And now I can actually correlate that across different 
situations or scenarios. Major, major difference in gaining a competitive advantage. I like that. I like that. And again, you know, the book is Impact Learning, the New Competitive Advantage, what all executives need to know. And, and if you're an executive, if, you know, whether you're your small company or big company, impact learning uh, might be uh, a great tool for you to uh, start disseminating your information and really bringing your, your training to life. It's so vitally important. Uh, you know, most people um, think that, uh, what do you call it, that training has to be this, uh, what do you call it, uh, this, I don't know, awe-inspiring curriculum. And what I have found, depending on the company, that there might be six or 10 or 12 things that you that you have to train on, on you know, kind of on a rotating basis. Uh, so maybe this week you're training on, you know, back to your sales analogy, maybe this week you're going to be training on uh, on the top 10 um, uh, objections and rebuttals. And, and next week you're going to be talking about or, or training on, on um, you know, how to break the ice or things of that nature. You know, training and, and I, I want your thoughts on this training doesn't have to be necessarily, uh, you know, a university type model, it, you know, whatever fits your business. And, and to me, I'm a big believer that, you know, as a professional, I'm always motivated or at least I want to get better. And it's not learning again. It's not like a, a learning a thousand new different things. It's learning 10 or 12 or whatever those core items are and really building a foundation on those core items. And I think uh, my whole point to this is I think a lot of people think that learning has to be or training has to be this, you know, university grade, all inspiring thing. And, and they overwhelm themselves before they even start writing the first page. Again, very valid point. There was a, a point in time, late 80s, early 90s, where there was the corporate university movement. Let's have our training in a corporation be the same as it is in academics. Didn't pan out. Now, I'm not saying there aren't corporate universities that do a good job, but the concept of a curriculum that I'm trudging through that has a lot of lecture in it um, is not an effective model. As a matter of fact, you hit on a very good point. In some cases, the learning or the training, if I'm not going to do it for six or eight months, then why are you training me on that now? I'm going to forget it. So one of the concepts we use in impact learning is just-in-time learning. Um, we did some work for McDonald's. And one of the things we were looking at is what can we do within the restaurants? And let's say I'm going to do an interview. Well, I could teach somebody, a manager, how to interview. But what if they don't do that for several months? So part of the impact learning is what we call performance support, just-in-time learning. So I'm going to interview somebody tomorrow bring up my app, profile the person. It's somebody in the kitchen. I want somebody with experience. It'll pop up what how I should prepare. It pops up what questions I should ask, et cetera. So you're exactly right. This university model of knocking out modules, of going through courses, of, of completing a curriculum is an outdated model. A lot of what we need to do now, there has to be some of that, especially with onboarding, but there's a number of things we can do with these performance support tools and this just-in-time learning methodology. Sure, sure. I like that. I like that. Just-in-time learning. Based on what you've seen, what are some of the biggest issues out there with the way people are 
you know, training, you know, what, what do you see are some of the main elements missing in today's corporate training? Talk about that. Again, I think it goes back to what we were discussing, Bert. I think it's the fact that subject matter experts are the ones designing and delivering it. Now, in most cases, we'll design it, but we want a subject matter expert to deliver it because of that color they can bring, right. uh, because of the legitimacy they bring, because of the stories they can tell. So again, this traditional methodology of content-based, I'm going to lecture, you're going to write it down. It's traditional. It's not highly effective. So again, problem-based learning, putting the impetus on the learner. Another great example, I'm going to stay with the sales. We do a lot within the medical industry, medical device manufacturers. So we had a virtual session about presenting your product. So instead of the facilitator lecturing, what we did was we split the group into two. We said, group A, you're going to present your product against a competitor. Group B, you're going to evaluate that. Whoa, 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 whoa. How can group B evaluate them? They're just learning. Well, we gave them a performance support tool. Here's the categories. Here's what a one is. Here's what a five is. That problem-based approach, the impetus being on the learners. So B evaluates A then B presents and A evaluates B. Now, what am I doing as a facilitator? I'm adding to that evaluation. I'm facilitating those exercises, but I'm certainly not lecturing on how to do that. You're actually applying that and doing it. You would not believe the types of results you can get when you use that type of methodology. Well, and, and I want to I kind of focus in on something that you said multiple times, and that is facilitate. And I think that to me is a key ingredient um, you know, with uh, impact learning is, is that you're, you're not sitting there again. Uh, you know, I, what, how did you say it? I, I, I have the, I have, I hold all the knowledge you're facilitating, yes. which is completely different. So why don't you explain to our audience, what is the difference between, let's say a facilitator and a lecturer? Yeah. Again, great question. Um, again, connecting to the internet. Sorry about that. That's what okay. in your Alexa app. <laughs> well, this is the, the fun with the virtual technology that we're all trying to get used to, Bert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So lecture is the old traditional method that we're all used to. Uh, what we used to call the sage on the stage. I have all the knowledge. I'm going to impart this knowledge to you and you're going to write it down. What a facilitator does is takes a set of learning activities, such as the one I gave you. Uh, where they're presenting against a competitor and they facilitate those exercises. They add to the, the exercise by, again, telling stories, giving examples, going deep with their expertise. And again, the major difference between somebody facilitating and lecturing is in lecture, it's me and it's me most of the time. A facilitator, it's more about the learners. And most of the time is spent with the learners doing something and me ensuring that activity is taking place and that the key points are being made. And that, again, I'm adding that depth of knowledge that is so critical to the learning process. Right. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 a different style of learning or a different style of teaching. I'm sorry, when you are just a facilitator. And I think that this is one of the things that's missing definitely in in our our public schools uh maybe even in our um in our 
colleges and, and trade organizations, trade schools, you know, because when you can engage the pupil, uh, then their learning is uh, through the roof. Um, they have more fun. And, and really, to me, as a student, when I look back at my favorite classes, and, and anybody could probably um, uh, have the same experience, when you look back at your favorite classes, your favorite professors, teachers, whatever you want to call it, they were the ones that made it fun and engaging. And unfortunately, that's only about 20% of the teachers out there. Agreed. And what's funny is there's also this thing about, um, you know, don't copy off your neighbor and all these old, I'm going to slap you on the knuckles with the ruler. We want them to collaborate. Right. Hey, what'd you put on your quiz? Here's what I put on my quiz. Really? Why did you do that? It's a completely, uh, completely different model nowadays. And you have really raised a very valid point. What universities, they're struggling right now. They had to go, first of all, they didn't have any time to plan for it, right? This right. thing happened very, very quickly. So what do you have now? You have faculty members who by definition are subject matter experts. And suddenly they're supposed to hold the attention of college age students sitting in front of a computer lecturing all day long. It's brutal. It's absolutely yeah. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I have, uh, we have a set of twins and so they had to finish the last, you know, the last, uh, few weeks, couple of months of high school online. And, you know, it was so funny because, uh, I want to say most of the time, it was just them in front of a computer listening to the teacher drone on. And, you know, of course, they're not they're, they're bored. So they're already on their phone and, and stuff like this. However, what they started doing is they started, you know, they started uh, going to a friend's house and they would all gather around uh, either our, you know, uh, either a computer here or a computer at a friend's house, because with three or four of them, it made it a little bit more fun, a little bit more engaging. Uh, and so that is so critical. And, and bottom line is, uh, you know, a lot of these subject matter experts really need to humble themselves, go back and learn how to be facilitators or at least better teachers. I mean, it just, you know, your, your, your pupils aren't going to learn, you know, if they're not engaged. Yes. And I do want to make this point because it's a critical one. Subject matter experts are vital. Yes. And my preference would always be to have a subject matter expert facilitating whatever we design. And so for me, if you can't take the time to learn how people learn, then at least get with a group that can design it for you, which is what we do. We explain the concepts. Why are we doing this exercise this way? So they understand that. What's funny about it is facilitating is actually easier than lecturing. Because again, the impetus is on the learner, the responsibilities on the learner. I don't have to fill the entire hour by talking about stuff. Right. It's actually much more engaging and interactive. Right, right. All right. So final question I, I want to ask, um, and I kind of, you know, I, I think I know the answer, but I want to ask anyway, and that is, in your opinion, how can corporate trainers teach in a way 
to help their students or workers retain that knowledge. It's one thing to teach, but now we have to retain it. Talk about that. Again, it goes back to this concept of impact learning, which is problem-based. If the way you're teaching is, is through problem solving and collaboration, it by definition results in much higher levels, much higher levels of learning. Like I said, the application level. And when you can get people not to just memorize something, spit it back on a test and head back to the job, but actually apply it, it is a competitive advantage. Just like sales and marketing are competitive advantages, if the learning is done correctly, it is a competitive advantage. And a lot of corporations see it as almost as a necessary evil. It's one of the first budgets they cut. So you've got to get with this impact learning methodology, problem-based approach, the results are going to be, as I said, uh, in a sense, a competitive advantage. Sure, sure. You know what? And uh, this uh, this just popped into my head. And, and one of the most difficult things to teach and train on are the boring, I'll say the boring policies such as sexual harassment. And I, I have... Uh, what do you call it? I have interacted with people who like their ideas. Oh, you know, we have the sexual harassment thing coming up. I hate it. It's so boring. But, you know, to me, the more the, the, the more critical or the more important that, you know, the subject might be or the subject is, then really the more critical the trainer has to be, the better, I should say, the trainer has to be. It's more critical to have a great trainer, to have a great facilitator, because you want people engaged, whether they're talking about sexual harassment or they're talking about closing better sales or they're you know, talking about whatever it is that's important to your business. But bottom line is the minute you have people tuning out, you're, you're opening up yourself to uh, you know, uh, having your competition take you over, um, maybe uh, people making mistakes that they could avoid. So this idea of you know, having an engaged pupil, student, whatever you want to call them, worker, is vitally important. So I hope everybody got that from today's uh, interview. So the book, I want to pop it up here one more time. The book is called Impact Learning, The New Competitive Advantage, What All Executives Need to Know. And of course, uh, Jim, um, I want to pop up your your uh, .com as well. Your website is jimgilkey.com. People can go there. They can interact with you, grab the book. I'm also going to put uh, a link to the book in the show notes. So, uh, Jim, it's been a blast having you on the show talking about impact learning. Bert, I can't thank you enough and um, have a great day and stay safe. All right. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you later.